This is Michael Popak, Legal AF. I want to clear up something. There's been a lot of misconception about whether Donald Trump is going to be able to use successfully an advice of counsel defense, a common law defense, to his criminal prosecution and indictment in the Mar-a-Lago case down in Florida, where the indictment alleges that he's obstructed justice and committed Espionage Act violations because of his refusal to return national defense information, classified information, and other top-secret documents and classified documents belonging to you and me, the American people, that despite being required to do it, despite being requested to do it by the National Archive, despite being commanded to do it by a a search warrant issued by a federal judge and a magistrate, and a then a search warrant that was executed. Donald Trump, as the indictment alleged, found uh, ways on purpose, intentionally, corruptly, intent intentionally, to refuse to turn over boxes and boxes and dozens and dozens of documents back to the federal government. So the argument that you've heard Donald Trump's lawyers make, at least outside of the courtroom, and Donald Trump make himself in social media posts, is... I relied on very good lawyers for all of my conduct, and therefore I can't be held liable for that. Now, where does that come from? And is that going to work in Mar-a-Lago? Because there's a new reporting based on a order issued by Judge Cannon in which she's delayed assessing the validity and the good faith nature of that kind of defense in Mar-a-Lago. But once I get done telling you what the defense is and the lawyers that are involved and their testimony and cooperation with Jack Smith, you'll see why... We don't have to worry about advice of counsel being used by Donald Trump at all. It's just a talking point that he uses in order to grift and raise money and delay things. And uh, indirectly or directly, Aileen Cat of the judge there is allowing him to do it because she's not uh, calling BS, as we like to say in school, uh, and, nor making the rubber meet the road on his arguments until she, at the very last minute, until she possibly, until she possibly can make that decision, which will allow Donald Trump to try to escape the trial in that's set for May. That's where we're going. First, the defense. Nowhere in the criminal statutes is there a particular chapter or provision that says advice of counsel is a defense. Generally, you are charged with the knowledge of the law, even without a lawyer, and the fact that you followed your lawyer into the depths of a crime or violated a contract or something like that is not generally, it's not generally a defense, right? Ignorance of the law is not a defense, and following people who profess to have knowledge of the law is not generally a defense, except in the common law as part of what we call equity, where it seems to be unreasonable if a person went to a a lawyer for advice, gave him appropriate information and full disclosure, the the lawyer gave appropriate advice in return, and the and the client followed that advice, and that led to the indictment or the criminal conviction, that seems unfair under the law. And so under common law, meaning case-created law, judge-created law, they've developed this this, um, defense that we like to refer to in shorthand as advice of counsel. Now, the case law also tells and informs judges and lawyers like me and commentators but how that applies. Let me tell you the elements of it, then we're going to turn to the four or five lawyers that are at the heart of Mar-a-Lago with Donald Trump, and I'll explain to you why it doesn't work for them, because most of them have either admitted to participating in a crime, a judge has found that they participated potentially in a crime or a fraud, or they've just given great evidence against Donald Trump to Jack Smith. But first, the defense. In order to get the benefit of the defense, the case law, generally federal case law, says as follows. 
A client in a legitimate attorney-client relationship has to go to the client, has to go to the lawyer, and the client has to give the lawyer full and complete information, a picture completely, can't hold back, can't shade the truth, as Donald Trump is known to do, can't uh, leave out important critical facts or documents or evidence, uh, can't, you know, cook the answer, so to speak, right? Get an answer that you're looking for by giving information that's not complete. Garbage in, garbage out, can't do that. But if you fully and fairly and completely give the facts that are necessary in order to render the advice, you don't leave out bad facts, you don't shade the truth, and the lawyer, in response, practicing you know, his ethical obligations as an attorney, provides you with proper advice, you know, or advice that you rely on, and you actually reasonably rely on that advice to a T. In other words, you follow it. It impacts your conduct. It changes how you would act or not act. That's how you've relied on it reasonably. If you've done all those things that I just described, and, and as a result, you're charged with a crime, you may have a defense that you could put up in front of a jury, not to get your case dismissed, but in front of a jury for the jury to weigh the evidence and decide whether you get the advice of counsel defense. Do you see where I'm going with this? Now, <clears throat> many of the lawyers, most of them, that Donald Trump says that he's relied on, and let's say the D.C. election interference case or in Georgia, have either pled guilty to felonies and or lost their bar license or uh, or uh, or that's about it. <laughs> Rudy Giuliani lost his bar license. John Eastman lost his law license. Um, uh, Ken Chesbro is now a convicted felon. Um, Jenna Ellis uh, is a convict is convicted of a crime, but it's a misdemeanor. Same for Sidney Powell. You see where I'm going with this? It's very hard to rely on counsel when that counsel have also had their bar licenses stripped away from them and have admitted to participating in crimes. So you have that as a background backdrop. You also have two different federal judges who in the course of doing their work on a certain issue have already declared that Donald Trump participated in a fraud, a fraud or crime with, with one or more of his lawyers and stripped the attorney-client privilege away from them. For example, and as relevant to Mar-a-Lago, the chief judge at the time of the D.C. Court of Appeals who's responsible for all things grand jury at the time, whoever the, whoever the chief judge is. The chief judge then, Beryl Howell, having heard the evidence in a secret hearing, we keep all these things really well protected and secret until, until the trials are over, appeals are completed, and then the transcript can get released. She determined that, that M. Evan Corcoran, remember that name, one of the lead lawyers for Donald Trump once he got to Mar-a-Lago about how to or how to not properly respond to the Department of Justice's demands for the return of the classified materials and information, that Evan Corcoran, um, Judge Beryl Howell find, found it was more likely than not that he participated, wittingly or unwittingly, in a crime or fraud with his client, Donald Trump. And as a result, she stripped Donald Trump of all of his attorney-client privilege, forced Evan Corcoran to turn over audio recordings that he had taken while he was representing Donald Trump and 50 pages or more of single-space notes that he had taken about his interactions with Donald Trump. On those notes, which were now disclosed to the prosecutors and Evan Corcoran has testified about, are little, are little um, vignettes like the following. Donald Trump telling Evan Corcoran, hey, 
you know, it would be, you know, there's a great example of what you could do with the documents that you're reviewing to turn over for me to the Department of Justice. You know, Hillary Clinton had this guy that ran the servers and suddenly emails disappeared. That would be a good thing if certain things disappeared, right? If they just plucking sound, I didn't do a good plucking sound. Let me try it again. That's a better plucking sound. If they just disappeared, that's notes Evan Corcoran took of a conversation he had with Donald Trump where Donald Trump suggested that he, or better, instructed him to lose documents when he went back to his hotel room before he delivered them to the Department of Justice. Evan Corcoran didn't do that. He turned over 38 or 39 documents in a sealed envelope because Donald Trump told him that was all that there was. Of course, the Department of Justice knew that that was a lie because they had cooperating witnesses inside of Mar-a-Lago and some video recordings, and so they knew that that was not true. And Evan Corcoran eventually had to come clean. He also talked about how Donald Trump tried to get people like uh, the maintenance worker, um, Dale, Mr. Dale Oliveira, and others like Walt Nauda, both defendants, to try to interfere with his independent judgment and his ability to review the documents. He made a major mistake, of course, Evan Corcoran has already told Jack Smith, that he left the boxes with Donald Trump for two weeks. And when he returned, he trusted his client would put all the boxes back in the room and wouldn't take anything out of them or wouldn't lose any boxes. And in the two-week time, it's exactly what Donald Trump did, as, in, as alleged in the indictment. There were lots of shell games going on with the movement of boxes within Mar-a-Lago and to Bedminster, his other golf course, led by Walt Nauda and Carlos de Oliveira, uh, and moving all things around. So Evan Corcoran, there's no way he could properly rely on Evan Corcoran for advice because he lied to Evan Corcoran in, in, uh, so that Evan Corcoran would not have a full and complete truthful picture when he negotiated with the Department of Justice. So Evan Corcoran ended up lying to the Department of Justice, which is a crime <laughs> as well, a thousand and one charge. And uh, because Donald Trump uh, fed him a line of BS, or as we like to say in the business, he treated his lawyer like a mushroom, kept him in the dark, and fed him a load of manure. Uh, and so uh, between Evan Corcoran already having been found by a judge to have participated in a crime or fraud with his client, having turned over all of his evidence, having testified or given testimony or, or a statement to the Department of Justice, let's take Evan Corcoran off the board as someone that Donald Trump can reasonably say he relied upon because he'll have to testify to that. This episode of Legal AF is brought to you by Manakora Honey. It's getting colder, and this miracle of nature just fell in my lap at the perfect time. Manakora is a rare super honey that is 100% natural and has some unique properties. Manakora is made from Manuka honey, a single origin honey that comes from New Zealand, where the bees only feed on the nectar of the Manuka tea tree, making honey that is pure, rich, and complex with a creamier texture that is on a completely different level from the normal honey you find at the supermarket. You can use it as you would any other honey, but what puts the super in Manuka honey is that it's super rich in antioxidants and prebiotics, three times more compared to regular honey. On top of that, it contains an antibacterial compound called MGO that can be found exclusively in Manuka honey. The bottom line is that these nutrients really support your optimal immune and digestive health, and it's delicious. This is just the perfect way to treat myself with something that's going to keep me strong through the colder months and the perfect gift for the people I love to keep them sweet and healthy too. The MGO 850 Plus Manakura Honey has this 
creamy caramel texture that melts in your mouth and is unlike anything I've ever tried. I can grab a spoonful out of a jar to put in my favorite beverage or squeeze some honey out on some toast or oatmeal. It's so delicious. Manakura is savory, delicious, and truly the best honey I've ever tried. If you head to manakura.com slash legalaf, you can get 25 bucks off their starter kit, which comes with the MGO 850 plus Manakura honey, a free travel pack, honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. It's the perfect gift for a loved one, no matter the season. Now, I love the jar and squeeze bottle, but the extra pack of compostable honey sticks is a perfect energy boost for whenever you're on the go, like traveling or running errands or taking a run or at the gym. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash Legal AF to get 25 bucks off your starter kit. This is just the ultimate honey. Indulge and try some honey with superpowers from Manakura. Then you have Alex Cannon. Alex Cannon's interesting. He's sort of moving rapidly to the dustbin of history because we focus on the Evan Corcoran's of the world and the Christina Bobs and the Jennifer Littles. I'll get to them next. But the first lawyer up, up, for, up for grabs in the negotiations between Donald Trump and the National Archive upon the departure from the White House was Alex Cannon. Alex Cannon got the, here's a legal term, the heebie-jeebies and how he interacted with his, with his client. It got very tense because Trump wanted Alex Cannon to lie, this is Alex Cannon's testimony, to the National Archive about the turnover of the documents. He wanted to tell them that all the documents that they need had been returned. Alex Cannon knew or should have known that that was a lie. He refused to do that. And so we, Alex Cannon, departed that relationship. Alex Cannon's very important because it's at the very beginning, it shows Donald Trump had willful intent to hide and keep the documents for his own purposes. And that started with his interactions with the National Archive, where he wanted his lawyer to lie to them, just like he wanted to set up Evan Corcoran to lie to the Department of Justice by taking away documents and boxes so that Evan Corcoran would never know about them. And so when he told the, the, the uh, uh, Department of Justice and FBI, these are the documents he probably really thought that was the documents. He just didn't know there were tens of boxes in Donald Trump's uh, living quarters at Mar-a-Lago that were being hidden from him. Then you got Christina Bob. Now, Christina Bob is interesting because her, her involvement with Mar-a-Lago was limited, but really, really important. Evan Corcoran, likely because he started to feel very uncomfortable in representing Donald Trump on these issues, he did not sign the sworn statement required by the Department of Justice in the turnover of the of the documents originally in the envelope that sealed that now famous sealed envelope with 38 or 39 documents in it when there were hundreds more right behind them in in desk drawers in different locations at Mar-a-Lago that somebody had a sign on the dotted line literally and say this is the these this documents in this package are the result of a diligent search in good faith by me signed and then you'd think Evan Corcoran would do it. Evan, Cor Evan Corcoran did the research. Evan Corcoran had the interaction with uh, with Donald Trump. Evan Corcoran went in the rooms for 20 minutes. I'm not kidding. And looked through the boxes and came out with the confidential top secret information. And it's Evan Corcoran. Except he called over Christina Bob, a young lawyer from Florida, and said, you sign it. <laughs> and she did. She signed, and I think we'll have a picture of it here. She signed a certification on the envelope that said, to the best of my knowledge and based on what's been told to me, me, they, these are all in full and complete. 
Well, that was a lie. That was a lie by extension, an indirect lie by Donald Trump because Evan Corcoran didn't feel comfortable because he'd been lied to. So he brought Christina Bob in to sign on the dotted line. What a chivalrous lawyer that was of a senior lawyer bringing in a junior lawyer who happened to be a woman and make her sign on the dotted line. I don't have any sympathy for Christina Bob because ever since then, she and Alina Abba battle it out for who's going to be the biggest MAGA uh, talking head in favor of Donald Trump, their fearless leader. So don't have any sympathy for Christina Bob. And again, he can't rely on Christina Bob. What did Christina Bob do? She signed on the dotted line, having not spoken to Donald Trump at all. That brings us to Jennifer Little. Jennifer Little is also representing Donald Trump along with Steve Sadow in Georgia. Jennifer Little uh, is, uh, I don't know where Trump gets these people from. They all look identical. They're all the, I'm going to use an old reference now. It's all the Ali McBeal school of law school. You know, like, you know, short skirts, you know, uh, pretty women, you know, very young, not that experienced. Uh, you know, they're on their, you know, they're when this doesn't work out for them, they're going to be on their way to Fox News, you know, that type. So Jennifer Little, though, has given testimony, according to reporting, to Jack Smith, in which she said, that when she got involved with the case, one of the many lawyers I've just identified, that she went to Donald Trump and said, you got to stop screwing around now once the subpoena was issued. Now, what's the difference between a subpoena and a search warrant? Let me do a breakout legal AF for that. Subpoena is issued by a judge. It's an order compelling the production of documents or information, records, videotapes, audio tapes, whatever it is, anything tangible or even electronic that a judge, sometimes a magistrate, if you're in federal court, which is the judge below the judge, the judge, the junior judge, the magistrate judge, issues after there's been, in a criminal case, a evidentiary hearing in secret, generally, um, declarations and affidavits under oath, sworn testimony by FBI agents, investigative investigative agents, whatever, the, whatever department they may work for, and then um, the presentation is made by the government. And then if the judge, the magistrate judge, finds probable cause to believe that the commission of a crime has happened and that these are the evidence of that crime, he that person will issue a narrowly tailored, tailored um, a cert, a subpoena, and that subpoena will then be issued to the party who has to comply with it. And then there might be some other requirements that go along with the subpoena, but they comply with it. It's not the FBI agents knocking on the door and banging down the door and bursting in with FBI on their jacket. That's a search warrant. <laughs> the first thing was that um, a, a subpoena was issued by this case by Beryl Howell, the regular judge up in the District of Columbia to, to send Donald Trump through his lawyers. He got it. And that's when Jennifer Little stepped forward and spoke truth to power, according to her own testimony, and told her client, stop screwing around because it's a possible criminal indictment if you don't respond to the subpoena the right way. Putting him on notice, which is again back to his mental state, mens rea, willful intent, that has to be proven at trial. So you have the Jennifer Little, who I don't think will be able, again, take her off the board of him being able to rely on because he didn't obviously follow her advice because he committed, he, he continued to screw around with the Department of Justice playing hide the salami with the boxes, right, in all the different rooms, using all the different staff that he had at Mar-a-Lago, housekeepers and gardeners and personal assistants he took with him from the White House and, and, and all videotaped until he realized, oh, crap, I'm videotaping everything. Go get me the videotapes and drown them, burn them, erase them. And that's where we have the 
Donald Trump creating his own witness against him, which is Yasil Tavares, the IT worker who didn't want to be involved with the conspiracy to bring down democracy. And so he he uh, eventually, eventually, after he got out from under a Trump-assigned appointed lawyer, he eventually went over to the light and met with Jack Smith's team and is now a cooperating witness. So you've got this, this group, and I'll throw one more asterisk of Alina Haba, of course, somehow being involved. She is like, I'm not kidding, she is like an evil Forrest Gump or Zelig. She just shows up in the back of every major historical bad event about our democracy and the overthrow of it. She's just there. You know, I don't, it's just, it's, uh, I was going to use a reference that's inappropriate about, I'll do it on another hot take. I'm sorry. So you've got, um, all those lawyers, for all the reasons I've outlined here, who are disqualified and couldn't possibly be the subject of a proper good faith reliance of advice of counsel. So what is Aileen Canna, the judge, waiting for? Get to it. Get to it, lady. You, you know these people were involved. Many of them were mentioned in the indictment. You know that former senior federal judges have already ruled that attorney-client uh, attorney client privilege has been stripped away from these people. Uh, Donald Trump's has, and they have to testify. How could they possibly be in a position for Donald Trump to claim that he relied on them? And now that brings me to end the hot take on Alina Haba. Alina Haba, who, you know, we thought that she and Trump broke up, but apparently she's back as a practicing lawyer for Donald Trump. Not doing any better than she was before, where she was busy waiving defenses and screwing up evidence and 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 preventing Donald Trump from having any experts at trial and, and all sorts of other things that she did wrong. But she's back. And she had a role, or at least she's she's a, a, a part of the cast of characters at Mar-a-Lago. Why? Because while she was busy screwing around with the New York Attorney General case and not producing documents that Donald Trump had to produce uh, as a matter of law there and subpoena and search warrant and that type of thing, she had to make an attestation, swear out an oath to the judge in New York about uh, the missing documents. And she, and rather than use a third party, which she should have done, flew in the middle of the period between the a subpoena being issued and the ultimate search warrant that fateful summer, a year ago, summer a year ago, she, between the Department of Justice and the and the court's order on a subpoena and the knock, knock, knock on the door search warrant that's now infamous in, in the history of American presidencies, in uh, uh, finding all those top secret classified documents strewn around Mar-a-Lago, Alina Haba traveled to Mar-a-Lago to go search the boss's desk. That desk had classified top secret documents in and around it. And she did it not to look for those. She was just looking in drawers. She was looking for things related to the New York Attorney General civil fraud case. But she had to have seen these envelopes that said classified information, right? With the candy striper, uh, you know, red and white on the sides. I mean, just it's, it's just mind-boggling. So she had to testify to the grand jury about Donald Trump, even though she's currently representing him. So look, I think the takeaway I'm hoping from this hot take is don't worry about the advice of counsel defense, even in the hands of a misguided um, uh, inexperienced over her skis federal judge and alien cannon down in Florida. This is uh, much ado about nothing. He's not going to, Trump's not going to prevail on that kind of defense. And the quicker we get it litigated, adjudicated, ruled upon by the judge, the better if we have a shot at having any of these trials like Mar-a-Lago before the election to give 
voters the opportunity to have that data point. Are they voting for a convicted felon or not in the back of their minds before they pull the lever? We'll continue to follow all of these types of matters at the intersection of law, politics, and justice. One place, the Midas Touch Network. Follow me on Legal AF on Wednesdays and Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and on hot takes just like this one. So until my next hot take, until my next Legal AF, this is Michael Popak reporting. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now.